you were prepared for that risk and you're able to say, look, I made a mistake and I'm going to learn from it. Hi, folks. This is Michael Vesey from Amazing FBA. And today we're going to have another episode from our sister podcast, The E-Commerce Leaders, hosted by myself, Michael Vesey and Jason Miles. I'm the Amazon guy and the Brit, and Jason is a Shopify fanboy and over in the West Coast of the States. If you live in a multi-channel world, stay tuned. I hope you enjoy today's show. And if you want to find out more about the podcast, just go to theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, no gaps. Do you want to grow your business bigger and faster? A free audit of your Amazon business can help you see and avoid threats and find missed golden opportunities. Now, I personally charge between $300 and $400 an hour for big projects, but this would be free. You can be a reseller or a brand owner. All I ask is that you're doing at least a few thousand dollars a month in sales already. Just go to myamazonaudit.com and book a time. That's M-Y-A-M-A-Z-O-N-A-U-D-I-T dot com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with a hot takes, hot panel discussion today. We don't need to even go around the table to know who wants to go first because Chris is, Chris is on fire already. Tell us what you're talking about. I have been in this game for like almost almost 25 years, like officially, right? Like I opened my eBay account in 1999, which would be say 90 wow. to my kids. They're like, whoa, how old are you? 90s. Yes. But I mean, I, I can document, I got receipts. You can see eBay members since 1999. And I have tried to help as many people as possible who want to learn how to sell on eBay or flip products or make money for Amazon or FBA or publish or any of these things. And I've seen not bad trends, but I've seen people think that it's a system. It's a, hey, if I do X, Y, and Z, and it's very similar to a traditional nine to five J-O-B job type mindset where I will, I'm willing to do X, Y, and Z if you will give me A, B, and C dollars. And I know what I have to do. We know the deal. I'm going to go home at the end. Like, like very systematic. in entrepreneurship and selling at Amazon and solving problems is not that way. So when you join a course or a Facebook group and you want to learn about how to sell on Amazon, or sell on eBay or how to source products online. It's not as simple as someone says, oh, just hire a VA and have them go to Alibaba and find you something. Because then you hire a VA, you don't train them right, you don't know how to train them, but you did the step. You did the hire a VA, which is what they told you to do. And your VA told you to buy this product from Alibaba. And But this VA has no idea about intellectual property and, and keep it charts and margins and profits and lead times. All of these things that it's not just a simple list of 10 steps. If you follow these 10 steps, you'll make $1,000 every day on Amazon. I wish it was that simple, but it's not. And not just like, oh, Chris said it's not that simple, so I'm going to believe it. You have to actually believe. You have to actually understand why it's not that simple. And that's a deeper level of understanding, which gets to you know, a certain level of expertise, which doesn't come overnight. It doesn't come from you know, reading a single Facebook post or something. It is like experience. It's learning. It's trying things. It's accepting that I'm going to make a choice and take on a certain amount of risk with this choice. And hopefully that works out for me. And if it doesn't, it's okay. You were prepared for that risk. And you're able to say, look, I made a mistake and I'm going to learn from it. And over time, you gradually get better at something to where now you're an expert at going to Alibaba. And in a heartbeat, you can say, bad product, bad product, bad product, potential, potential. Whoa, that looks that fast. Right? And so, I'm writing a book right now about books. Right? So, and I can take a... I, I'll let you go in just a second. You know, I can take a screenshot of a, of a scan of a book or a retail arbitrage product or anything. And in less than one second, I can tell you if it's bad, right? Now, it may take a little more time to be like, okay, yeah, this is really good. Like, how much should we really invest in this product? I spend a lot of time. But I can tell you in a split second, 
give me one piece of data on something. Be like, no, Amazon's selling it. It's too low. There's too much competition. There's, there's too many FBA sellers. Too many offers. Sales aren't bad. Split second. Until you can do that, you need to like look at a bunch of data and try to learn that. And then get feedback from other is, people. What you're saying is your new training only has five steps, not 10 steps? <laughs> Just one step. What? One step training. One step training. One step. Oh my training. gosh, that's going to be it. Here you go. I have one step training for you because the book that I'm writing that nobody knows about yet is a collection of all, it's over a thousand books, thousand images of books, me holding up books with a thousand barcodes that you can scan at home. Take this book and scan the barcodes at home. Because my, my old advice is you want to learn how to scan books to sell on eBay or Amazon was to go to a thrift store or go to a library sale and spend the entire day there and be willing to sit on the dirty floor or the dirty carpet, scan every single book. Because you're going to learn pretty quick which books are trash, which books are not worth your time. And you're going to get better at not picking those books up and being more efficient at finding the good books. Because most books are not worth reselling. They're not. You have to use the apps and you have to use technology to find out which ones are good. And you have to be good enough to read the data to be like, yes, this makes sense to sell. No, this does not make sense to sell. So I'm going to give you yeah, the one step is if you take my book and you scan with your phone every single book, you will get pretty good at scanning books and knowing which books are good and which books are bad. But the one step is a thousand little mini steps. Love it. I'm, I'm loving this. Mm-hmm. Love it. I mean, this makes me think in my days as, as a piano teacher, or as a piano student or back in the day, you know, French horn, whatever it is, a bit like in sports, whereas you guys, I know you guys are very into your sports. I, I, I was even educated by Jason what the Super Bowl was the other week. I'm very embarrassed. I'm sorry, guys. Bad cultural knowledge. But look, sports, you know, gymnastics. Uh, you thought it was the greatest salad bowl of all time, didn't you? No, I thought it might be to do with baseball, though. So anyway, you know, I know nothing. But here's the point. If you want to get good at a sport or a, a thing, then repetition is the mother of skill, right? And, well, you know, yeah. so repetition, you know, practice makes the master, as they say in German. That every culture has a version of this saying. And I'm with you, Chris. It's like the hard yards to train your brain to look for patterns. And the thing is, if you look for patterns in a very manual way, after a while, your brain just starts to get bored and it will start to form an ability to look for patterns. But I agree with you. You can't skip that step. And I'm so with you on this whole, because I deal with the victims of this. Oh, I've just Mm. ordered a bunch of stuff off Alibaba. You know, I'm forever. People are coming to me to get Mm. help launching a product. And I go, okay, before we do that, should we just examine the numbers and see if we should be launching the product? And very quickly, it emerges things like, have you tried the competitor's products of this cooking item? For example, working with a client recently. Oh no, I don't own that cooking item. Okay. Go borrow your friend's cooking item, put these extra, you know, accessories in it that you're thinking of selling. And do they work? And he came back to me. Yeah, they don't seem to work. Actually, none of them do. And I've actually bought some better products. I'm like, good. This is what we call applying common sense. <laughs> Please don't Progress. go and order a thousand of these, you know, but, yeah, but you don't know what you don't know to Chris's point. If you're, fo- if you're trained, and I think this is why I love what you're saying, Chris, if you're trained to follow something blindly, as you're saying, mm-hmm. you're not thinking like an entrepreneur, you're thinking an employee and. Yeah. It, it, it by definition cannot work because even if the first thousand people doing that, it works for well, the 10,000th person is going to be copying what everyone else does and it's going to get saturated because there's no differentiation. So it's, it's intrinsically self-competing. It, it's super interesting. So this actually kind of is a great segue into a topic that I was going to bring up. And it was a article that I saw, which was why small businesses fail. And there was a couple of people quoted, one of them being Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban's biggest reason why, you know, entrepreneurs, small businesses fail 
is they just don't put in enough work. Like that was like his his main thesis. And I was like, okay, well, I, I kind of understand where he's coming from with that. And then the, the, the big overlying, like big, biggest reason was cash flow. Like small businesses running into cash flow, that's a fun, but that's like really the downstream final problem. The more upstream mm-hmm. problem, and I'd love to get your guys' take on this here in a second, but the more upstream problem, I think, is to what Chris is saying, right? There's, there's this lack of adaptability. And there's this, and it could, could be some work could be a part of it. You know, they're just not willing to put in the work, but I honestly think it's more of the lack of ability to adapt, which is really one of the fundamental, you know, features of being an entrepreneur. And I think it's vehicle mismatch, honestly. It's like where they just, they're like, here's my goal and I want to hit X, Y, Z, but they're in the wrong business model that's not suited mm-hmm. for them. And then they just try to grind for it. It's not that they're not working hard enough. They're just working too hard. <laughs> they're working super hard on the wrong vehicle to like get them to the goal, right? It's like, if I want to go across the country, am I going to jump on my bicycle and I'm going to work super hard to get across the country? Or am I going to get in a plane and fly there and be there much easier, much faster, right? And so I yeah. think that vehicle mismatch is really an important aspect of understanding uh, and, and lining that to with who you are as an entrepreneur and also your goals. And I think the downstream issues with that is the cash flow problems that come out of it and your ability to switch vehicles and switch switch concepts and be able to pivot fast enough. Yeah. I think that is a fundamental thing. So I'd love your guys' take. Like, why do small businesses fail and entrepreneurs struggle so much with this? Yeah, I was going to just jump in on that and say, you know, the book scanning at the library is an interesting object lesson. I think it's fundamentally part of the learning process is to do something that repetitious. So you learn a system, but there's a reason at universities, they have overview courses of topics. And, you know, like I remember my most favorite class ever at a university was an overview of wisdom literature. And I remember the professor, Daryl Hobson, and he just brought knowledge bombs every week from these books and, you know, these sources of material that I just never heard of before. And if you get a good overview teacher that shows you a lot from a dispersed genre of, of strategies or topics or whatever, you, it can really help you tremendously. And here's what I mean by that. Um, my daughter likes to go to the library book sales. And they do them every Saturday, the last Saturday of the month here in our town. And I was looking for stuff to source. I was looking, oh, they have the the DVD box set of such and such. I'm scanning it. Is it worth anything? And then she was over doing her thing. And um, and at the end, I said, Libby, did you get some good books? She said, yeah, I got some good books. I was like, or have you read those before? Are you, you know, they're new, part of a series. She said, no, I'm, I'm painting on the edges of them. That's a really super popular trend. And on Etsy, you can sell these for like $100, $150. If you pay, paint the, you know, if you lay a book on its side and it's got just the, the pages side, not the blind side, not the, the back cover side, just the, the white pages. And people do art on those now. So you can take a book that according to retail arbitragers would be worth zero and, you know, paint on it and sell it for some amazing amount on Etsy. I've seen other people who take books that have like the classics are like the books that have really interesting diagrams and visual presentations, like, you know, old books that have those long drawing type things and they'll fr- take them out of and frame them. And I, I think the gist of it is to me, fundamentally, when you're starting, 
you're way better off learning 25 business models and seeing them and, and, you know, poking around in them to find something that resonates with who you are, what you like, how you behave and think, than to just hear one thing and try to grind, 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 grind. Cause if you heard the wrong thing, but not right for you, it's just a recipe for misery. You know, so anyway, I, I think that a good solid overview of all of the business model options online is probably a good place to start, you know, for a lot of folks. And I think the secret to that, though, is if you're going to take an overview of, of business models, you have to do it by limiting your risk in it. Right. Because there are some business models that are going to be very, very like if you're like, I think I want to be a franchisee owner and buy a franchise. Right. Like, okay, well, I got to have a million bucks. That's a million dollar risk. Like your risk of ruin to your financial future is a lot higher than, you know, testing something with arbitrage or see if that's what you want to do. So I think you have to understand that. That's sort of the beauty of e-commerce is so many of these models are kitchen table entrepreneur ready. I mean, you're like, you know, unless you're ordering a large container or something or, you know, big MOQ from a Chinese manufacturer, most of these things are side hustle ready, you know. Yeah. Which is awesome. Which is, which is good. It lowers your risk for sure. Yeah. Almost to sort of try and synthesize what I'm hearing, which is a brilliant discussion. I mean, I think there's a dance, isn't there, between theory and practice. And I, I'm kind of with you, Chris, my sort of piano playing kind of side is with you and sort of pra- practice builds the skill. But then I'm also with you, Jason, that, you know, if you're really lousy, for example, I was terrible at rugby, which is like a bit like American football. You know, we just crash into each other and like lay waste to each other. I've never quite grasped it, except that it was painful. I was never really going to be good at that because I have the physique for it. So there is sometimes a mismatch. And to your point, Carl, I think the mismatch or of a vehicle is, is indeed behind a lot of misery of business or success indeed when it's right. So I guess there's an implication there that you should try things out, that you should have, a, I think, a mixture of all of those. If you're on more of an a book reading type person like I am, you know, and, and I guess we all read a lot of books or write them in your cases, but if you're a bookish kind of a bit more uh, abstract guy like I am, you maybe like the theoretical overview. If you're more hands-on type person, you might start that in, but I think you've got to have an element of both. But it also implies to me that you should start things with low risk business models. And if you decide that you hate them after a week, it doesn't really matter. So with the retail arbitrage, it's never really been my bag, but it's never done me any harm to go out and try bits of it, you know, very well, admittedly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas what I see the opposite happening, even though you're not buying a franchise for a million dollars, I mean, a lot of people are trained still now to go out and buy a lot of stuff from Alibaba that is neither differentiated from the marketplace, mm-hmm. nor mm-hmm. is it, you know, available at a small, cheap, you know, let's start with a few hundred bucks kind of level or even smaller. And so I think there is a sort of logical order of sequence of types of sizes of risk of business model that you should be working if you're going to experiment. That's the only thing I would say. This perfect solution for all of this. And that's what people keep, I think, trying to avoid because either they don't want to do it or they think it's going to be too expensive. And that's to find a coach or a mentor or someone that you can actually talk to and actually get advice from someone who's actually done all these things. Because you're right. The number of side hustle business models that you can try basically for free from home any time of the day has never been greater. Like the fact that you can go to a library sale and buy like a, a nice, thick, good looking book and they put it in like this little twisty thing. Jason, I know what you're talking about where like they kind of spread out the pages. So you, when you look at it, I don't know if you, this is the one you're talking about. You don't actually see the image, but then when you kind of spread the pages a little bit, this image kind of magically appears. And they used yeah. to do this on, on older books, like, you know, Renaissance and things like that. If you can find original books like that, they're actually really quick. Yeah. And you see this, you're like, Hey, I, I think I can do that. That looks fun. And, but you have to understand what the actual value proposition is. It, it, what, you have to be good at like art and painting and drawing right. and all these things. Exactly. 
You have to understand Etsy. You have to be able to ship a product. You have to understand what is the value proposition. What are people paying for? Why are people going to be willing to pay me $50 for this $1 book? And how much time is it going to take me to put into this? To make Is it going to be worth it at that price? If it takes me longer, do I need to charge $100? Are people going to be willing to pay $100? You can test all these things. But if you think the business model is, one, go to library sale and buy a book for $1. Two, put some paint on it. Three, make $50 and be like, this is great. I'm going to buy like 10 books. I'm going to make 500. <laughs> All right. But, and that's what I see happening. Yeah. And yeah. I'm convinced it's because yeah. people are coming from a trade time for money mindset. Yeah. And all yeah. this stuff that we're talking about, you're going to work for yourself for $0 an hour with no guarantee of getting paid. You could pay 100 books and not sell a single one. Yeah. No. And you have to be willing to, but that's the risk. And to me, that's a better risk than than an $18,000 container from China is the risk of, hey, I worked for myself for $0 an hour on something that I was interested in that didn't work out. But now I know that I'm not a good painter or I'm not a good marketer or Mm -hmm. me and Etsy are not like, I would rather sell something digital than physical. I would rather, great, you've learned something. Now it costs you time instead of money. And I see this over and over again where people say, wait, I'm going to spend time on something and I'm not going to get money? No, I, I ain't doing that. Yeah. You don't yeah. think that's the core trade skill that we're talking about here is a willingness to be a learner. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And adapting. Yeah, yeah. I, to me, willing to be wrong, is, willing to try and fail. Like, like people yeah. don't want to do those yeah. things. Yeah, you that's know? the yeah. essence of entrepreneurship to me is a self-starting learner that's a, you know a curiosity and explorer and willing to pull the trigger on stuff. Like I'm going to try this. Oops, I lost sixteen hundred dollars. Oops, I lost. Oops, I lost three months of my time. Yeah, whatever it is. And those little micro experiments are really people who tolerate that stuff well and can can convince themselves that they're on a journey towards a better something, better future. Those are entrepreneurs in the making. And you you only have to be right once. Yeah, I guess so. You're never right the first time. No. I would watch a 20 minute video from someone who says, hey, I'm going to tell you about how I lost $1,600. And then I'm going to tell you how I lost $200. And then I'm going to tell you how I wasted three months of my time. And then I'm going to tell yeah. you how I finally made my first sale. And people don't watch I could that. See that video. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. People should days. be able to make that. If they can't make that, it's it's a problem of like not knowing what you don't know. Right? It's like, oh, I saw some micro content on TikTok about how to order from Alibaba and make $10,000 every single day. Yeah. It's like, no. I Like Mark Cuban's answer that you need to work harder. Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh. That, that's not an answer because it's too simple. Like, yes, yeah, you didn't work yeah, hard, but what didn't you work hard enough at? Exactly. You yeah. guys, right. you guys see those reels and and TikToks that are like that, where it's like, "Hey, everybody, I'm going to show you how to make five hundred dollars a day. Click mm-hmm. here. No, type in this. What phrase. I do see, look here. What I do I, see, I see is those, to, and I I always yeah. say to myself, I am so like. At first, I'm like, oh my gosh, I might want to try that, and then after I see twenty of them, like. These are so simplistic and stupid. Oh, yeah. The worst ones, what's worse than that is day in the life of a 25-year-old millionaire. Yeah. I wake up, I eat food, I work out, I work on my business, which I've been working on for the past 15 years since I was a free teenager, right? Like that, that's not a, no. Then I check my computer and work with clients and make all this much. Like, no, I explain how you got that, right? Because exactly. yes, anybody... I can't walk into that business and just do A, B, and C and make the same thing. I want to see deeper than that. 
I want to see the video of like, here's how I rented this Ferrari and this really great Airbnb house and shot this video to get you to pay me money. Like, I want to see that explainer video. Listen, if, if you did that, you'd have an explosion of even more of this stuff. That's the trouble. <laughs> that one of the things Are that, we basically that was just nagging on millennials marketing skills at this point. <laughs> I don't think it's millennials. I, I would say that one uh, of the further things, I think the, it, I mean, there is an element of that, but nine to five mindset, Chris, I think you're right, is a problem. But I it think is. that is exploited to such a degree by like, I mean, I don't go on TikTok because it's not my bag, but I see a lot of videos on YouTube. And obviously having had the misfortune to go on a lot of, you know, business opportunity or marketing sites or whatever, I'm being retargeted to heck and back. So I get so many people trying to tell me how to sell on Amazon or whatever. And I think that the commoditization of business training to your point chris where instead of being a a responsible say you know physical trainer and saying i'm going to work you really hard but we can cut to the chase and we can make it quicker but you're still going to have to work hard and you're going to have to eat well and then you can look you know ripped or whatever your objective is so instead of being that honest person you just promise people the result they want in the quickest time possible with the lowest sweat and of course according to the laws of the wonderful equation i can't remember the value equation the more you can promise that, the more you're going to sell courses or whatever it is you're selling. Veteran e-commerce operators know that net profit is the vital white blood of a business. Better a small and profitable business than a large one that earns no money. The Profit Habits Workbook is designed to give you 17 actionable, specific and proven profit-taking decisions. You can implement them at your own pace and let the power of this trust framework revolutionize your company. The Profit Habits Workbook make profit improvement a fast and efficient achievement. For a limited time, we are now sharing this resource with our listeners completely free with no strings attached. To download your 60-page workbook and begin your journey to a more profitable business today, just visit theecommerceleader.com forward slash profit habits. And the trouble is that just kind of people start to believe it, understandably. And I just think this disingenuous is the polite version of what that is. I mean, and this is why I'm loving what you're saying, Chris, because as a leader, you know, people, you know, created the term retail arbitrage, which has become such a, you know, a saturated market for people training or offering quote training and in, in quotes. I think you're right that the, they trade on this idea that it's 10 steps to heaven and they're not willing to empower people to become an entrepreneur and to develop a mindset rather than just follow their steps, it, it, which keeps the power with them in, you know, intellectually it, and developmentally. It takes, it takes advantage of the, the human brain's disposition to avoid pain. Like when you yeah. promise, Hey, you just, you, here's your 10 steps or here's the things you have to do. And you're going to get this amazing outcome. All you do is implement that. But what they just gloss over is all the, the valleys and the painful experiences you have to go through in order to get to that place. Mm-hmm. Right. And you just kind of like mm-hmm. smooth over that because you don't want to hear that. You're going to reject it. And you're, you, we want you to ignore that stuff. So you just pay. <laughs> well, if you're making a 15 second Instagram reel, what do you want to cut out? The painful yeah. part or the payoff? Exactly. Oh, let's exactly. cut out the painful part. <laughs> exactly. Shrink it down. You know, and I think that's also too like attention span. You know, what's going to catch people's attention? People are, you know, sometimes people are motivated by pain, you know, by pain, but oftentimes they lead with, you know, what's the, what's the benefit to them? Like what's the, the goal, what, what is the, how does it align to their outcome that they want? And so they are just going to go with that from a marketing perspective. Yeah, I, I think there are a lot of, I think that we're viewing people who are putting out courses and, and short form content and like saying it's, it's super easy. 
I don't think any of them, or I don't know of any that are actually doing with bad intent or actually doing it knowing this is not going to work, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think they actually do believe like, hey, guys, this is retail arbitrage is really simple. And one of the ways that I'm going to kind of promote this textbook that I'm putting out is kind of based on the fact that I used to do in-store retail arbitrage scouting trips. And I remember every single time we would go to a store, I'd be driving there, I'd be like, what if we don't find anything? Like, what am I going to tell these people? Like, this isn't magic. Like, I, this isn't just walking mm-hmm. in. Like, I, I was literally emotionally like, scared to go in and be like, what if we don't find anything? Then, then I'm going to look like, oh, Chris Green said it was easy. It's not. Now, keep in mind, we always did find something. But what stuck with me, and I, I still know this person that, that I, I showed this to, is we were scanning things in clearance. There were some easy, obvious items, but easy, obvious to me because I've been mm-hmm. doing it. I can look at a, at a scan and be like, oh, for God's sakes, of course we're going to buy that. And they're like, well, why, why are we going to buy it? You have to sit there and break it down and say, well, look, Amazon's not selling it. The lowest price is this. It's going to have this much of a payout. The sales rank is really good. And by showing people the data and walking them through a single example and saying, look, if you don't buy this, I will buy it. They got it. And like, mm-hmm. like I, I remember to this day, like they got it because they saw the data. They kind of thought that it was a good product, but they didn't have that confidence. And then with me standing there looking at it with them and saying, yes, you are right. You are reading the data correctly. You should buy this. It gave them that confidence to move forward. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. and it's that type of experience and working with somebody to be like, oh, wait a minute. Okay, I, I am getting this. And like we looked at other items and, and they were like, hey, what about this one? This looks good. And I'm like, hey, what did you forgot that Amazon is selling that below all the FBA price? Like, I, I still remember these silly examples from like 12 years ago. It's things like that. Like they're like, oh, you're right. I missed that data. And now they're going to be wired to always look for is Amazon a seller or not? And if they are, what is the price? And at that price, it's a profitable. And are they always in stock? If they're not in stock, what is the price? Little things like that. Or yes, I can teach you that, hey, go, we're going to scan some products. We're going to look at the data. And we're going to buy some stuff and sell on Amazon and make profit. Yes, that's what we're doing. But it takes time to actually learn this. So yeah. I'm yeah. trying to think, what are the ways that people can do this easy, fast, inexpensive? And that's what this book is. Over a thousand books, thousand different books. You know how long this has taken? It is tedious. Tedious. A thousand books this. worth of images. Are they all? Images, barcodes, screenshots. Yeah commentary like all of these things but if you Stanley's go through this books, book, they're all worth nothing <laughs> oh there's a lot of good books in there that's the thing i've been and not sending them into fca for so long wow. but i've got stacks of good books and i've yeah. got stacks of bad books and i've got great examples where you go through this you will get good at scanning books but you got to go through the work you got to scan a thousand pages out of my book and you'll learn and i don't know I, i'm hoping that the, the good marketers I don't want to say they're bad marketers, but the marketers that really aren't thinking this through and realizing that when they say it's so easy, just hire a VA and go on Alibaba, they're potentially doing a disservice to people who are taking it completely too literally. Yeah, I thought a lot about this because I've observed some people's trainings and I I won't say any of the details, but I'll just say this. There's some folks who I know have done insanely well teaching online and I showed their training to cinnamon because their training focuses on on mom and i said to her what look at look at how they've done this look at look at what they've done and it was basically mom side hustle you know you can do your mom thing and and still make a ton of money be you know scale your business and not miss out on anything with your kids and cinnamon's commentary was after having her children be raised while she was an entrepreneur and having her children their honeys there's a ton of regrets and there's actually a ton of pain 
And there's actually a ton of challenges being a mompreneur. And what those people are selling is a dream to a naive young moms. And they're not doing it to your point, Chris, with that intention, but their own life journey is that they actually don't have, they haven't gone, they're selling something and they haven't gone through the full life cycle of it. And I think a lot of the sales that occur online for people who are training or even the 15 second, how to do this, how to do that and make money. They're not coming at it from a, a evil place. They're coming at it from a, a naive place because maybe it did work for them. But on the whole, if a thousand people tried it, three people would have success and 997 people would fail. And they, you know, if you're one of those three people, it's like, boom, bang, boom, look at this. It's so easy. And the naivete that you're bringing to the party is not, it's not a, it's not a, a evil, but it's ignorance. And it, it is a problematic presentation for that reason, you know? And I think but just, now you have 997 people who are potentially now going to be told that they didn't work hard enough. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. Now they're going to think right. they did something wrong. Yeah. And that's, we need to start some kind of like just open group member mem- mentorship thing where people can get like real, like real, get the real info. But the right. problem like, is, it, here's the problem. The problem it's not is, sexy. It doesn't sell. I know. You don't get the two comma club label for being a discreet and moral marketer. That actually has nuance. <laughs> you get the new comma club award because you have the revenue to prove it. And the whole system is designed yeah. to confer prestige on people based on sales results, not based on did my students actually win? Did I do a training that I could still have good integrity with for 10 or 20 years? Or mm-hmm. is this a flash in the pan? And I just don't even know it because, you know, whatever. So anyway, so those are the harder challenges with this. I would say on top of that as well, that the naivety is true when you're dealing with very young people or people who are early in the stages of, you know, being a mom or being an entrepreneur or combining the two, for example. But also there's a survivorship bias thing. So if a thousand tried it and three would succeed, well, that's true in stock market investing. That's true for graduates from university who teach us professors and teach other people how to be successful. It's true in so many walks of life that the people who make it will uh, make the natural, but I believe just statistically utterly wrong assumption to your point, Jason, that I did it this way. It worked for me. And then with, you know, in many cases, great confidence and full self-belief and trying to be honest as they see it, tell other people to do the same thing they did. But of yeah. course, if it's not reproducible by other people, then that's the key place where it falls down, right? Which is, yeah. I think where a lot of things go wrong, it's because they were early to something and they had some luck and maybe they happen to have certain characteristics that are innate as an entrepreneur and the combination of those made them successful. And then they teach people the things that are lacking, however, for those people are the steps are the same, the entrepreneurial drive isn't the same or the mindset that happens to be right. They don't happen to be early in the market by, by definition, if they're following somebody else's training, they're probably follower in the market. So that makes it much less likely to succeed and they may just not be lucky. Right. So yeah. it comes down to how do you create something that has, as you say, if you can last for 10 years on I mean, the internet and in dog years, that's incredible life. I mean, if something's valid for three years as training, that's pretty good in the internet, I would say. Yeah. Well, look, I think we, it also comes down to actually marks. having a, oh, uh, sorry, sorry. I was just going to say, I think it also comes down to having a real desire to a care for people, you know, for your mm-hmm. students to have a, a community of students that you actually have a real desire to help and support. It's not a money grab. You know, we've all followed marketers who are money grab marketers and they end up with the money and you, 
you end up with some obscure little silly training that didn't help you in any way, shape or form, you know, and that's never fun. And who wants to be in that community of, of teachers, right? Absolutely. Well, look, we, we've trashed internet marketing trainers to death, even, and that includes us. <laughs> so hopefully not, <laughs> not in the way we've all experienced. So who wants to go with another topic? I got some things in my mind. Kyle, you were talking about Mark Cuban and his somewhat dubious views on why small businesses fail. That sounds very Mark Cuban. <laughs> I think we've agreed to disagree, maybe. Hey folks, thank you so much for listening to the e-commerce leader hot takes. I think they're getting hotter over time. They're, we're getting quite heated debates today or, you know, discussions, shall we say, about entrepreneurship from Chris Green, particularly leading that discussion. I think that's great. Why small businesses fail? Is it Mark Cuban's thing and they don't put enough work? Is it like a cash flow? Is it like a adaptability? Is it, according to Chris, more not developing the right mindset, just following steps? Um, I guess we've given you some raw thoughts here, but I think what's interesting is that there's more than one way of you know, thinking about this stuff. So I think this is more than anything a call to you to go and think about if you're an entrepreneur or you're wanting to become one or you've been one for years, what is it that actually causes business success? And how do you really get started with business models? I guess one of the things we're talking about, particularly today, like if you're starting off into business and particularly in e-commerce, where do you start? And you know, how do you find the right models? And how do you decide what to try out first? Obviously, retail arbitrage is a classic kind of try out business model in the e-commerce space, particularly in the Amazon focused piece of it, which Chris has not only got amazing history of, but actually coined the term, the term for retail arbitrage was basically a Chris Green invention as far as I know. And so his latest book should help you train you in retail arbitrage. So if that's something you've been considering, definitely be worth looking out for notifications from Chris coming up. More generally though, worth thinking about how, what is the true secret to entrepreneurship, I guess, to put it in a cheesy cliche term. No easy answers here, but I hope that you found today thought provoking and made you think for yourself, which I guess is something that I guess all of our panel members, certainly myself included, would encourage rather than just blindly following a guru or steps or anything of that nature. So that's today's Hot Takes episode. The next Hot Takes episode we got, we're going to talk about chat GPT and artificial intelligence. It's kind of jumping on a bandwagon in the sense that it's a very popular topic, but we are truly passionate about discussing this stuff. So stay tuned as ever if you have found this thought-provoking or useful in any way, then don't forget to subscribe to the show on a podcast player of your choice, such as Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google, to name but three. Thanks for listening to the e-commerce leader. Do you want to grow your Amazon business bigger or faster? If so, a free audit of your Amazon business can help you see and avoid threats and find some golden missed opportunities. This is free. You can be a reseller or a brand owner. All I ask is that you're doing at least a few thousand dollars a month in sales. If you are, just go to myamazonaudits.com, scroll down, click on Amazon Audit and book in a time and we'll see each other on a Zoom call. That's M-Y-A-M-A-Z-O-N-A-U-D-I-T.com. Thank you very much for listening and I hope to see you on a call soon.